Then one more hand. We do appreciate it. We do. And as much as it's not said, um, I tell you what, you see those Enrico cars driving around and uh, makes you feel safe. Take, take your Bibles this morning and turn to John chapter 15. While you're turning over there, I came across some comments that were taken from actual police officer videos from across the country. Yes, if, if any of the kids that, I, I forgot to mention that, usually we go out during that last song, but any of the kids five years old and under, if you want to take them to that class, the kids uh, will be taken care of down there. Good. Uh, and maybe I'm going to give you too many ideas, but I guess you could probably use these as, as long as they're not going to get you in trouble. But um, these were comments that were taken from actual police officer videos from across the country. You know, stoplights don't come any redder than the one you just went through. There <laughs> you go. I can see somebody saying this. Relax. The handcuffs are tight because they're new. They stretch after a while. <laughs> I'm, giving John, I'm giving Brother John too much, uh, too much. If you take your hands off the car... I'll make your birth certificate a worthless document. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you run, you'll only go to jail tired. Here's one. Can you run faster than 1,200 feet per second? Because that's the speed of the bullet that's going to be chasing you. Here's a good one, too. Maybe you'll be able to use this one. You don't know how fast you were going? I guess I can write whatever I want to on the ticket, huh? <laughs> there you go. Warning? You want a warning? Okay, I'm warning you not to do that again, or I'll give you another ticket. There you go. The answer to this last question will determine if you are drunk or not. Was Mickey Mouse a cat or a dog? <laughs> Don't answer that. <laughs> uh. Yeah, we have a quota. Two more tickets and my wife gets a toaster oven. How about that? Here's another one. No, sir, we don't have quotas anymore. We used to, but now we're allowed to write as many tickets as we can. I use that one all the time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm glad to hear that the chief is a personal friend of yours, so you know someone who can post your bail? And here's the last one. I think this one's my favorite. You didn't think we give pretty women tickets? You're right. We don't. Sign here. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for most officers, the reason, one of the reasons they go into the academy is because they want to make a difference. And I think if you, you know, all of them have to do an interview before they're uh, um, allowed to be hired as a police officer and you know, they got to go through all kinds of, um, <clears throat> well, as a chaplain, I even had to go through some of it. I had to fill out a 40-page personal history report, and I'm like, I don't remember what I did when I was six, you know? Uh, but they want to know everything about you. They want to know everything about your past. They, they make them go through a psychological evaluation. They do all kinds of things to become a police officer, and they do it because they want to make a difference. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse number 13 says this, greater love hath no man than this, that a man who lays down his life, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. You know, the fact that police officers train for extreme circumstances and are prepared to put themselves in danger for the good of others is astounding to me. Um, you know, I, I want to think I'd have the courage to do that too. I think I would, but I don't know. I've never been put in that position. Uh, I've never been put in the situation where I had to run into a firefighter or run into a situation that, is, that could be a life and death situation once I got in there. But a lot of these officers that are here today have been in that position where they have proven that they're willing and able to lay down their lives for what they're believing in, for the cause that they're a part of, and, and to help others. 
And that reminder of, of the power of love is just a wonderful thing. This morning, I, I want to share with you, and I know that, that if you ask anybody, not just an officer, but anybody, why are you doing what you do? You would say that because it's because you want to make a difference. Why are you doing this job? Because I want to make a difference. Why are you doing this? Because I, I'd like to make a difference in somebody's life. We all say that, I think. And so this morning, I want to share with you how we can make a difference. What can we do to make a difference? Let's pray, and then we'll get into that message this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the blessings that you give us in our lives. I thank you again for all of these officers, not just the ones that are here this morning. We thank you for them being here and for being able to, uh, for them to represent all the rest of the uh, men and women in law enforcement that are just doing such a tremendous job of, of doing what you've called them to do protecting us, serving uh, this community. We thank you so much for that. And God, I pray that you'd help us as we go through this message this morning, that you'd give me wisdom as we, as we preach, but then also that you would uh, give us as hearers uh, the ability to understand what's being preached as well. Thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I think we can look at is this, and turn over to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to have you turn to a few passages this morning. Um, if, you don't, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. You can listen. I'm going to read them to you. Um, if you do and, and you don't know how to find Matthew, you can go to the front of the Bible and there's a list of all the chapters or, or all the books in there. And it'll tell you what page number to find it on. But Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 9, I think we can get this. But, but the first thing that we can do to make a difference is show compassion. Show compassion. That is one of the things that, that as an officer in particular, uh, you've got to do if you're going to make a difference. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. They're showing compassion to so many people. But I think one of the things is that we can see things through the eyes of Jesus. That's a way to, to show compassion. And if you look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. A couple of pages over in Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And it goes on to talk about other things that he did. You don't need to turn there necessarily, but Mark chapter 6 and verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw these people. And he knew of all people, Jesus knew everything there was to know about them. Jesus was not, well, I don't know about this person or that person. He knew everything about them, the sins, the good things, the bad things about their family. He knew everything about them, and yet when he saw them, he was moved with compassion on them. And we can have compassion when we see things through the eyes of Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to see the best in people because they don't inspire a lot of confidence uh, in the fact that they have a lot of good in them. But Jesus loved them anyway, so much so that in John chapter 3 and verse 16, probably one of the most familiar verses in all the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus loved people so much even though he knew who they were. He loved them so much that he was willing to die on the cross for them. The songwriter said it this way, let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. Imagine the way that it would change how we see people if we're looking at them the way that Jesus looked at them. But also, I think we can see things through the eyes of others. Turn over to Psalm 82. Psalm 82, just a couple verses here, and, and there's so, much, so many other things that we could say about showing compassion, but for the sake of time this morning, we won't get into all of those, but Psalm 82 and verse number 3, the Bible says this, 
Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Boy, if that doesn't describe what a police officer's job is. But that's showing compassion toward them. And, and a lot of times, the way that we can show compassion towards somebody else is to just see things through their eyes. Obviously, they wouldn't be in that situation most, more than likely if they could help it. You know, and, and sure, they make the decisions. They're the ones that put themselves in the position that they're in. But a lot of times they regret those decisions. They wish they hadn't done that. They wish they had done something differently. Uh, but if we see things through their eyes, you know, not everyone has it as good as you do, especially around the world. But even in this country, not everyone has it as good as you do. Not everyone has it as together as you do. If we could see things through their eyes, I think it would give us a, uh, a different perspective and would give us more compassion for them. How can you make a difference? First of all, you can show compassion. But secondly, be strong. Turn over to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. While you're turning over there, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6 says this. Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Joshua chapter 1, and, and of course this is written to Joshua, uh, or written by Joshua after Moses had passed off the scene. Moses had led the children of Israel through the wilderness, and, and they came through on the other side, and God took Moses home, and he said he wasn't able to go to the promised land. And so Joshua took over as the, as the leader of the children of Israel, and God is giving him this advice at the beginning of his, uh, of his leadership role, and he says this in verse number 9, Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Think about it. That's a commandment. It's commanded. Be strong. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. God's going before you. God is your helper. God is your protector. And I know, uh, especially when it comes to officers, they're strong, they're brave, but it's nice to be able to remind, to, to remind them of the reliable source that we have that we can constantly depend on, and that is God. God is our source of strength. You know, we don't have to go into situations alone. And, of course, we're talking about it from a law enforcement perspective. You're going into situations that you don't know how they're going to turn out. God's with you through those things. God, God has a plan for your life. You can go forward with those things, but it's not just in law enforcement. Look, we all go through situations in our lives when we don't know what the next step is. We don't know what it looks like ahead. Can I tell you this? God's already there. He's already in your tomorrow. He knows what's coming. We cannot see the end from the beginning, but he does. That verse that we just talked about in Jer Jeremiah 29, we looked at verse 12 and 13 on the back of our bulletin, but verse 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. In other words, God has a plan for all of our lives, and he's working us toward that plan. When bad things happen, it's not because God's out to get you and he's just trying to make your life miserable for you. He's trying to get you to the point that he wants you to be in your life. He's working you toward that expected end. That's why God allows things to happen. But know this, God is with you, and he wants us to be strong. Uh, Psalm 144, turn over there if you will. Psalm 144. The Bible says this in verse number one, Psalm 144 and verse one. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. 
I've actually seen that on the, on the back plate of a Glock, at least the first part, you know, the, the, uh, which I think is, is pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. But um, it's just what a reminder that God, uh, of all the ways that God supports us, the way that God supports our officers, the way that God supports the things that we're doing in our lives by loving them, supporting them, training them, providing refuge for them in the storms that they face every day. And if you look at this passage, what a, what a great thing. He says that he is my goodness my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield. What a promise. What a reminder of who God is to us and how he is there for us. Proverbs chapter 28. Turn over there. I know we're going quickly this morning. Proverbs is the book next to Psalms. But Proverbs 28, and I know this verse is, well, you see this verse on t-shirts with law enforcement backgrounds and everything else, and it's a great verse. It's a great verse, but it's such a reminder that God wants us to be strong. And that's a way that we can make a difference. Proverbs 28 and verse 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Now, this verse links in with a few of the others that we've talked about. But the righteous are bold because they have faith in God's plan, because they have faith in God's timing, because they know that God is behind everything that they're doing. That's why we can have that confidence. That's why we can be bold as a lion. And it's a helpful reminder to, to focus on the ultimate source of our strength which is God, and to remember that God cares about the sacrifices that they make. Now, how can we make a difference? We can show compassion. We can be strong. And lastly, we can focus on biblical truth. Now, there's a lot of biblical truths that we could focus on in the Bible. I mean, that's what the Bible is. It's filled with truths that we could focus on. For example, Proverbs 21, verse 15, It is joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. That's why an officer does what he does. The job is to protect the good and to destroy the evil. Romans chapter 13, and then Romans 13 is a, is a verse all about the job that the government is supposed to do, and that is to protect uh, those who are doing. In fact, verse 4 says, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. There's a lot of people that, that say, well, you know, God is, is a pacifist. He doesn't want us to fight back. He doesn't want us to, you know, there shouldn't be a police force. There shouldn't be an army. We shouldn't have any of those things. Let God take care of those things for you. And yes, God will fight for us. God will do those things for us. But, but Romans chapter 13 and verse 4 is a perfect verse to say that God is for those who are out there protecting the good. And punishing the evil. It says that. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Now that, that scripture is, is just uh, an elegant way to say protect and serve. Right? That's the motto of the police department. But that's exactly what it's talking about. It does a good job of summing up what a police officer does. And again, the importance that it is to God. The importance that God places on what a police officer does. But I want to focus on what is the most important truth in all the Bible. And we're not going to be long here. And I'm not, I'm not going to try to disguise what I'm talking about this morning at all. I want to show you from the Bible what God says about just what Jesus Christ did for you and how you can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die. That is the most important truth in all the Bible. Amen. Turn over to John chapter 14. Just a few verses we're going to look at, kind of all in the same area. And then we'll be done this morning. But... The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus saith unto him, he's talking to Thomas. Thomas said, how can we know how to get to heaven? How can we know the right way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In other words, Jesus is the only way to heaven. There is no other back door. There's no other side entrance. There's no other, well, a lot of people, well, all religions are pretty much all the same. It's just you happen to have this, this idea. I happen to have this idea. Not according to the Bible. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, many, many of my officer friends probably don't feel this way, but have you ever been driving down the road at dusk or maybe even after dark, and all of a sudden you see a, a, the, the, the uh, police car behind you? Right? What's the first thing that you do? Uh, the first thing you do is you look down at the speedometer and see how fast you're going, right? And then maybe you put your cell phone down in the seat next to you, and then you slide the seatbelt across and click it in, right? And then you start wondering, okay, he hasn't pulled me over yet, so I wonder what he's looking at on the back of my car, you know? Are my, are my tags expired? Uh, do I have a brake light out? You know, what's he, what's he doing back there? What do you just go around, you know? And I can tell you that, that most of the time the officer is thinking the same thing. Get out of my way. You're going 25 and a 60. Just move over so I can get where I'm going, right? That's how, that's how most of them think about it. They're not, they're not looking for ways to pull you over. They just want you to move so they can go on, right? And then they go past you and you realize it was just a car with a bicycle rack on the top of it and you shouldn't have been worried about it anyway, right? But you feel guilty because you know that, that you have stuff in your past maybe that you, uh, that you never got caught for. You know that you're doing things that you shouldn't right now, right? And your legs start to shake and everything else, man, especially. And, and you've probably all been in that situation before. But wait till you see the lights on behind you, right? Then that's when your legs start shaking and everything else. And, uh, but the Holy Spirit does the same thing in the life of someone that's not saved. That guilt that you feel is the conviction of the Holy Spirit trying to show you your need for Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, there's no question that we're all sinners. In fact, turn over to Romans chapter 3. There's a few verses right in this passage <clears throat> that explain a lot for us. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23, the Bible says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, officers especially are supposed to be perfect. They don't sin. Or at least they can't show people that they sin, right? Same thing with a pastor. Can't show people that you sin. But we all make mistakes. We all sin from time to time. We disobey. We tell a lie. We've stolen. We've, you know, disrespected our parents or our authority. We, we've all done something that's wrong. In fact, the person that says that they haven't is probably the most guilty of everybody because you're lying, right? We've all done things that are wrong. The Bible says that very clearly. Romans chapter 3, in a couple verses before that, it says this in verse number 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So for the person who thinks, well, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. And look, we ought to be pretty good people. We ought to do everything that we can to try to be good. The Bible says that very plainly. Jesus went about doing good. We should be trying to do good. But the sad thing is that a lot of people are trying to do good to get them to heaven. Well, I hope that someday when I stand before God, he's going to take all my good works on one side and all my bad works on the other side. And if my good works outweigh my bad works, then he's going to say, come on in. But you know what that means? That means I'm there because of me. If I start walking around in heaven for a little while and somebody comes up to me and says, hey, why are you here? Well, God let me in because I was good. I had enough good things on the one side that he let me in. Then you're there because of you, not because of what Jesus Christ did for you. 
The Bible says that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Every one of us that works a job expects to get paid for that job. Now, officers don't get paid near as much. We saw that, and you know that. They don't get paid near as much as what they deserve to get paid. Teachers the same way, and a lot of other professions don't get paid enough to do what they do. But you still, you know, and, and, and everybody, all, officers always say that. I don't do it for the money. No, you don't, but you wouldn't do it for free either, right? right. You expect to get paid for what you're doing. That's what a wage is. You talk about minimum wage and everything else. That's the payment for doing what you're doing. And the Bible says that the payment for sin is death. And that's not that, well, everybody's going to die, and, and we all will at some point. The Bible is talking about death in hell. Right. See, there's only two choices. When you pass away from this life, you're going to spend an eternity in heaven, or you're going to spend an eternity in hell. That's it. There is no middle ground. There's no place where you go to get all your sins burned off, and eventually you get to go to heaven and all this. There is no other place besides heaven and hell. And you have this life to make that decision. Because once this life is over, that decision is done. Right. Your fate is sealed. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But it doesn't stop there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, just a page or two before that in verse 8, but God commendeth, God gave his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now put yourself in the, in the position of a, of a law enforcement officer, and maybe they're out there and, and um, they get into a firefight in the middle of a robbery or a hostage situation or something like that, and, and an officer gets killed. And they're going to put that murderer on trial, and I'm going to be there. I'm the law enforcement officer. I'm going to be there. I'm going to make sure that that guy gets put in prison for life. I hope he gets the death penalty or whatever else you might be thinking. He killed one of my fellow officers doing something that he should not have been doing. And you get into that courtroom, and something starts to move you within your heart when you see that guy sitting up on the stand. And the judge sentences him to death. He's going to die for killing a law enforcement officer. And you walk up there and you say, you know what? Let this man go free. Let me take his place. Put me in that electric chair. Pull the plug on me and let me die for him. That would be a very hard thing to do. He killed one of my friends. Why am I going to die? He's the one that deserves to die, not me. Nobody else deserves it. He's the one that made that decision to be there that day. He's the one that made that decision to pull the trigger and to shoot that officer. He's the one that ought to be the one that's punished, not anybody else. But you know what? It's exactly what that verse in Romans chapter 5 is talking about. God gave his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not just that we had sinned, we were still sinning. And he knew that we were going to come along, and, and Christ died 2,000 years ago. But he knew that someday we were going to come along and that we were going to sin against him, and yet he died for us anyway. He took my place. Jesus never sinned. He didn't deserve to die. He didn't do anything to have to die on the cross. But he took my place because he loved me so much. Many people feel as if the things that they've done in their life is enough to disqualify them from ever getting to heaven. They feel like they're not worth saving, you know? They say things like, God can never forgive me for what I did. Maybe a big thing, it may be a small thing. But they feel that way nonetheless. But let me tell you this, you're not too worthless to save. 
The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, any man, any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He's standing at your heart's door knocking. Please let me in. But God, I'm not good enough. No, any man, any man that opens the door, I'll come in. But, but God, you know what my past is. If anybody knows, you know what my past is. I'm knocking. Just open the door and let me in. I'll come in. I'll be your Savior. I'll be your God. Just let me come in. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. A person that's too proud to realize his need of Christ cannot be saved. Only a person that realizes that he is a sinner can accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you don't realize that you're a sinner or you're too proud to admit that you're a sinner, then you don't need a Savior anyway. Jesus Christ came to save people who realized that they were sinners and that they were drowning in that sin and that they needed somebody to rescue them. Right? How foolish would it be for somebody that falls overboard on a cruise line or something like that and they're drowning and they're saying, let me throw you the life preserver. No, I'm not drowning. I'm just going under the water. I'm just sinking here every, every now and then. I'm just gasping for breath. I'm not drowning. You would think, how foolish would you be to think that? Just grab the life preserver so you can be pulled into the boat and have your life saved, right? That's exactly what happens with so many people. Well, I, yeah, I might be a sinner, but, I, you know, I mean, I, why do I need somebody to save me? Why do I need somebody to come along and rescue me? I can, I can handle it. I'll, I'll, I'll face eternity when it comes. I'll see what happens when I get there. Oh, you, you say, how crazy could you be? Jesus Christ already died on the cross. He is that life preserver, and he's throwing it out to you, and he's saying, just take it. It's a free gift. I'm not charging you anything. It's not costing you anything to accept Christ. Accept Christ as your Savior and let him be that Savior that he wants to be to you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, and we're almost done, says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Say somebody gets rescued, they throw the life preserver down and he grabs that life preserver and they pull him back into the boat. And he gets in there and they say, boy, that was, that was pretty awesome that they rescued you, huh? Well, I mean, you know, they, 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 they did a little bit, I guess. I mean, I, after all, I was the one that grabbed onto the life preserver and, and I was the one that yelled for help and I did this and I did that. And, you know, I mean, yeah, they, they pulled me into the boat, but no, it's, it's not what we've done. It's what, I mean, if they had never thrown that life preserver, if they had never given you the opportunity to, to be saved, then, then you wouldn't be there. You know, you wouldn't be there to talk about it. You'd be still under the, under the waves somewhere. And that's exactly what it is with salvation. It is all of Jesus Christ and none of me, or it is not salvation. That's right. See, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. A couple verses later in verse 13 it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now it might be. Not, well, you can keep working on it. This is a good first step. No, that is salvation. You will be saved. 1 John chapter 5 tells us that you can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. There's a lot of people who, if you had asked them, do you know for sure that you're going to go to heaven right now, would say, well, I, I hope so. I, I think I might. The Bible says that you can know. And how do you know? Because you have to realize that you're a sinner and that that sin has condemned you 
to spend an eternity in hell. But Jesus Christ came along as our Savior and died on the cross so that if we accept his gift, his death on the cross as the payment for our sin, then we can go to heaven when we die. That's what it's all about. Back in March of 2018, a French police lieutenant colonel named Arnaud Beltrame was 44 years old. He was shot and stabbed when he traded places with, with a hostage um, in a shooting spree in southern France. A, a gunman went on a rampage and, and killed a couple people, and, and finally he barricaded himself in a, in a supermarket. And the police were able to get basically the rest of everybody else out of that supermarket except for one lady who he was using as a human shield. And that lieutenant colonel went into the supermarket, and he offered to give himself as the hostage so that that lady might go free. And that gunman agreed. He let the lady go free, and he took that lieutenant colonel as the hostage. And it wasn't long before they heard a couple gunshots, and they ran in there, and sure enough, that lieutenant colonel was laying dead on the floor. And they apprehended the suspect and everything else. But the fact that that lieutenant colonel, you know, and there was, there was all kinds of people that talked about him. His brother said that he didn't have a chance, said that his actions were beyond the call of duty. Another one of his brothers said that he gave his life for strangers. He must have known that he didn't really have a chance. If that doesn't make him a hero, I don't know what would. His cousin, talking to the BBC, said that he was so good at his job. Another one said, even though we were surprised and shocked when we heard what happened, we were not surprised in the sense that that's the thing he would do without hesitation. And I know that all of these officers that are here, all of the officers that are, that are out that, that were not able to be here today would do the same thing. I'm in awe of the officers that go out on a daily basis ready to put their lives on the line. But let me tell you this in closing. There is somebody who already gave his life for you. And that's Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. If you die and go to hell, you die and go to hell with your sins paid for. He's already done the work. There is nothing else that we have to do. Not being baptized, not joining a church, not giving money to a church, not anything. We don't have to do anything because Jesus Christ already did the work that was necessary and that was dying on the cross for us. He wants to be your savior from the punishment that's coming from those that don't accept Jesus Christ as their savior. Won't you accept Jesus Christ as your savior today if you haven't? He wants to be your savior and he will be if you let him. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for me. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Can't say it enough how thankful we are for the officers that put their lives in the line for us on a daily basis. But God, I thank you so much for the fact that Jesus Christ died in my place so that I might accept him as my payment for my sin and that he might be my savior from the penalty of sin. And God, I pray that if there's anybody in here this morning that doesn't know for sure that they're on their way to heaven, that they'd get that taken care of today. If you would, stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm not putting a lot of pressure on you this morning. I'm not putting any pressure on you this morning. 
But I want to give you an opportunity that if God has spoken to your heart and maybe you realize, you know what? There's never been a time in my life when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Maybe there's never been that moment when I realized that I was a sinner and that I was on my way to hell if I didn't accept that gift of Jesus Christ. And if that's you, slip out of your seat this morning and come forward. We'll get somebody to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure, not from somebody's opinion, not from something that somebody made up in this church, but from the Bible that says how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. And at the very least, if you feel too shy and embarrassed, and I understand that, to come forward in the service, then see me afterwards. See somebody afterwards. Seek them out and, and, and get that assurance. You don't know if you're going to live another day. You might walk out of here and get hit by a car and killed. You might have a heart attack and drop dead on the spot. You don't know. if You're not promised another minute, let alone another day or a year or a decade. And if you let that opportunity pass without accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's too late. It's too late. The devil gives us a lot of excuses. Well, you know what? You're, he's right. He's right. You need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Do it later. Just, just do it later. Don't do it now. Take care of it later. And you know what he's going to tell you later? Same thing. Just, just do it later. You, you need Jesus, yes, but just do it later. Jesus Christ is not the cherry on top of a life that has everything except him. Jesus Christ is everything or you are nothing. Won't you accept him as your Savior today? If God's spoken to your heart for, about any other thing this morning, I don't know how he could use you. Maybe about showing compassion. Maybe about being strong. I don't know. But if God's spoken to your heart about anything else this morning, you can come forward and kneel at the altar as well. Get that taken care of. As the piano plays, the invitation is open and you can come.